This Westwards mini masterclass is a production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. For more information on Westwards and what we do, please go to westwards.com.au. Hello and welcome to today's mini masterclass with me, James Roy. I'm your host, and today I'm talking to Amanda Rose. Amanda is, well, she's a what they call a triple threat in the basketball game. She does a whole bunch of things. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm really well. So I was kind of intrigued when I saw when I looked look at your website. You've got across the top. If you're going to play the game, you've got to learn to do it right, which seems like a kind of slightly. Um, less violent version of the the Game of Thrones uh, catchphrase, doesn't it? If you you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. It's not quite as grim as that, is it? Close. (laughs) It's close. I'm trying to sum up what you do because you do do a lot of things, career and corporate, what I would call a personal trainer almost, media commentator, um, somebody who looks at connections and forging those connections. You've worked with a whole bunch of very high profile clients like Service New South Wales and the Western Sydney Wanderers, a couple of universities, Uber, uh, KPMG, Navy, Air Force, Australia Post and the rest. And uh, anyone who watches the drum regularly will have seen Amanda on there from time to time. Uh, at the top, I'll just give everyone your your website so that we've got that out of the way for now and I'll repeat it later. It's amandarose.com.au. And you're also passionate about Western Sydney, I'm told. Yes. So what what... what what draws you to Western Sydney? What's your connection there? Born and bred in Western Sydney and I went to school in all different places across Western Sydney and I realised growing up, you know, I come from a working class family and it was pretty much had no connections, no no inside information and then I realised when I went into the corporate world from going from school to uni and then going into um, the business world, I realised the barriers I didn't realize I was facing. I mean, I experienced it during school a bit. The whole, oh, you're a Westie. Oh, gee, you're a Westie, you know. Oh, wow, you're smart for a Westie and things like that. And I kind of just let it, you know, water off a duck's back. But then as I got older, I realized, hang on a minute, this is actually a huge barrier of opportunity. There's the stigma. And I thought this has got to change because this really impacts people's uh, ability to think they've got a future. Uh, it, It you know, impacts their ability to go out and, you know, use their ambition to strive for more. So I wanted to advocate for starters for Western Sydney, in particular women, but Western Sydney in general, and then provide them with confidence and also the connections and advocate for them to get the opportunities that everyone else had by default because of where they were born and who who they knew. So basically helping them get into the room with everyone else really exactly and also once they're in the room help them with the confidence and the attitude of no don't speak to me like that no i'm not less than you because i'm from western sydney so back off i've thought about this over the years you know that if you've got two comparable comparably experienced and and educated people in the room but one of them has gone to a, a, a big school where there's an old boys network and and dad used to or mum or whatever used to work with um with the CEO and the other one's someone from Punchbowl. It's not an even playing field, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, it's fine because a lot of people from Western Sydney, we're hardworking and we'll, you know, we'll hustle, we'll study, we'll do what we need to do. But there's this stigma where the rest of society kind of don't want you to do that because 
we are smart, we are hardworking, we are all these things, right? So the, really the only barrier besides, yes, the opportunities that is handed to you if you're not from the West is the fact that if they can make you think you're not smarter than them, if they make you think, you know, if they get into your brain about you don't have a chance, then you're defeated before you start, right? So we've got to change that mindset of, no, I'm proud to be from Western Sydney. In, in fact, it's where all the money goes. It's where all the elections are won. So mm -hmm. let's kind of just say it as it is. We're the powerhouse. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was amusing some years ago when the opposition mocked Kevin Rudd for being able to speak two languages. And I thought, well, come to Western Sydney where the vast majority of people speak at least two languages. But Absolutely. Ashamed of or embarrassed by this is multilinguality. Exactly, and and it's interesting because you know there the if you want diversity, you've got it in Western Sydney, and a lot of people like to talk about diversity and inclusion because it sounds great, but they have no idea what that truly means for someone who is that minority or is has been rejected. And I'm talking all different types of people from Western Sydney, from generational Australians to migrants, refugees, First Nations, everyone. If you're from Western Sydney, you've got this stamp, you know. Um, it's like once, you know, in the media, it's like, oh, Western Sydney, it's fantastic. We're going to give you all this money. We're going to do all this for you. But the reality is, where is it? Yeah, and it's a really complex place, isn't it? Well, the thing is, it's also, when you look at Western Sydney, it's all micro communities, right? So you can literally go from one suburb to another and it's a completely different community. And that is why we need uh, representatives, local, state and federal, to represent their community, you know, and that's lacking. So I've seen over the past 10 years, it's just been dying off where MPs and, and people that have been elected haven't said, right, my area is unique in this, that this is what they need, this is what they want, and then go up the chain. What we're seeing is that their job is just to say what needs to be said to get elected and then churn out information top down, which is the opposite to what an elected official should do. And community people as well. So a lot of micro communities are not getting the voices or getting the access to media as they should to say, well, actually, my community needs this. So we, it really needs to be a big shakeup. When you think of all the money going into the area, we need to make sure that the voices of the people are being heard and they're getting those opportunities promised to them. The way you're talking sounds very similar to what we do at Westwoods. We've always said that we're, it's not about telling people what to say, it's about empowering people to say what they need yes. to say themselves. Yep. Um, so let's talk about networks and connections um mm -hmm. so when we think about we've, we've talked a little bit about the cultural networks but i suppose today we want to talk i want to talk a little bit more about some of the networking tools that we can use and how we can use them better mm. of course when we think about networking the first thing most of us think about in a in a corporate or a business or, a, or an employment sense is linkedin now i i've been on linkedin for years but i i i'll, I'll be completely honest i don't use it at all well i ignore most of the messages that come through i've done the bare minimum and the rewards have been the same <laughs> the same right less than the bare minimum um so but linkedin is a tool and you still need to get the most out of it so let's talk mm. about that first i mean you can talk about these in any order you like but at some point i'd like to talk about how you can make your profile stand out better but i think in the first instance we could talk about this that LinkedIn can be quite passive. You know, if you, if you do what I've done and put my profile up and hope for the best, um, the results are negligible. Or you can be a little bit less passive and actually go looking for jobs that are there. But is there a better way to, to use some, uh, a network like LinkedIn? 
you, you said you said it correctly at the beginning when it's a tool, right? And like anything, the tool is only useful if you've got a purpose for that tool, right? So having LinkedIn is one thing, but if it's part of implementing your strategy for your profile and your business, then it can be very powerful. So often it's people go, oh, I was on LinkedIn, I posted this, I posted that. Yeah, but why? I'm the, I'm the why person with clients, you know, and everyone, why did you do that? Why are you saying that? I don't know. I just wanted to, you know, engage. There should always be a purpose. So if you take a step back, if you're a, um, a freelancer in particular, you know, or you're trying to build your profile in a small business and you're like, how do I get out there? You've got to first have a profile that literally tells people exactly what you want them to know about you. What's the perception that you want to give them, right? You can, and one thing people forget about online, you can change it anytime you want. You can change it according to what you're advocating for or what you're trying to sell or what type of job you're getting, right? And if it's there and it's full and it's got all the information, because people will go straight to your LinkedIn when they hear your name. It's the first place they'll go to find out about you before they, before your website even, they'll go to your LinkedIn, right? So on your LinkedIn, what information are you communicating? What are you sharing? What do you want people to know you for? What, you know, what posts are you commenting on? And it also works in reverse of what not to comment on, what not to say. So often, for example, especially when it comes to politics, right? This is a really good example. If say, for example, you're in finance, right? And you're trying to get small business clients, okay? And you're an accountant you're trying to get small business clients. If you keep posting or commenting on LinkedIn about political uh, views on things, people not only will then pick a side because of your views, they won't even know you're an accountant, right? But if you're a writer and you're writing about politics and you want to, you know, to get that information, then you need to make sure you're commenting and sharing information from all angles so you're not seen as one-sided. So perception is very powerful. And when people see you post and when people see you engage, they want to check you out. That's when the views on your LinkedIn increase. That's when you can connect with people that have checked you out or people might start connecting with you because they like what you had to say or they're interested in it. So it's that constant relationship of content, engaging, getting people thinking. The ultimate goal with LinkedIn is you want people to check you out and people to connect with you because then anything you post after that will come up on their feed. So it's, it's sort of like almost <laughs> almost like Facebook for grown-ups in that sense. It, it, it is. It's Facebook uh, for corporates, but it's really good for positioning you as an authority on a topic. And a lot of freelancers and a lot of people don't think they're an authority. They think they're too small to be one. And that's rubbish. It doesn't matter what size you are. You could be a one-man band. You could be a, a corporate. You could be anything. You've got to stick to your niche of what it is you want people to know about you and you keep communicating about it, commenting on it, sharing information on it, and then people will start to say, oh, she's an expert in X. Has the landscape changed? I mean, obviously, it's changed with the internet. LinkedIn wouldn't be a thing if it weren't for that. But but I've also noticed in the last few years, I, I used to write the occasional freelance thing for a magazine and they were paying 70 cents to a dollar a word. Clearly, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, they were the good, the good old days when people bought magazines. But now you can go to Fiverr and get someone and you find these ads where people are saying, you know, we'll give you $50 if you write a 2,000 word paper. And that's a good, that's a good one. How do you compete with that when you, you, when you want to actually make a living from what you're doing and, you, and you're getting on LinkedIn looking for work like that? Well, it's interesting. It's a good point because a lot of people jump at that, right? They, oh, it's cheap. It's great. And I always advise clients, you're mad if you do it, 
right? Because your brand is on the line here. So what you want to do is you want people, my personally, I believe that you bring people in with a gradual you know, the gradual approach. So someone that might be looking for um, some content for their website or an article on something, you say, look, I'll do, you know, a 400 word article for this amount, just to see what it's like, get them to see how good you are, right? Because people love to work with people that understand their voice. If you can help someone communicate their voice and make it easier for them to do so, they're more willing to pay for that. So it's, positioning yourself in a way that you people go wow they sound really good or I think they're really good at that but a, another failure is the fact that you're not telling people that's what you do a lot of people aren't going out on LinkedIn saying if, are you, if you're looking for blog posts you know that um, with your voice and I can work with you and I can help with white papers and this is an example and I remember one lady a freelancer did an example of a white paper how she collected all this research and put it together for a client and I said I didn't know you did that and she's one of my, in my groups, <laughs> I didn't even know. So it's, wow, I didn't know you could actually provide that. So it's a mix. So we need to be constantly reminding people of what we can do and give examples of it. But also you want to work with people that value and want their voice heard. And I think there's going to be a real change and a real push moving forward because the digital economy is coming. Everything's going online since lockdowns, people are, you know, moving online more and we need more content online. And even though it's a fast paced world, Good quality content is always needed. People will listen to a client, say you're a small business owner, you need to get a freelancer to write for you, or you need someone to say, look, I can help you with this. I'll give you an example. And they're like, that's fantastic. Could you do one a month? And it's that retainer style work that you want. Retainers are the best way to make money where you say to people, look, I'll write a blog um, a month for you, plus help you with some um, social media content and, you know, if you can package things up, people love it. People cannot handle having to um, project manage. So if you can say, look, I'll write you an article and I'll break it up in different quotes and you know, create some little tiles for you for social media and this is how much it is per month. That's the way to go, right? It's regular income and the people that are going to Fiverr and the people that are do, you know, going overseas for that, they're not your people. Right, because the wording is horrendous. You know, yes, it might be good for Google bots, but even Google algorithms want proper or organic relevant content for SEO. Right. I guess what what I hear you saying in a sense is that something like LinkedIn is basically a pre-prepared CV that you can you can send out when when the interest comes. Because in the past, you know, in my own experience, it's been a matter of an inquiry comes, okay, I'll put together a CV for you and I sort of have to modify that. But yeah, it's a living CV. It's a living, growing, constant CV. And the more you post on your LinkedIn, the more you comment, the more you're like, hey, I'm here. Hey, listen to me. I'm good at this. Look what I've done. Yes, I'm commenting on that. And even sharing tips. For example, someone might say something and you could share a tip. You're saying, hey, look at me. Then someone goes, oh, then they'll check out your LinkedIn and they'll see your CV, right? You don't even have to be, that's, that's just constant proactive activity and it should be daily. If you're a freelancer, it should be daily on LinkedIn. Then look for jobs on LinkedIn as well. And then there's hunting for work. 
right? So hunting for work online is underutilized where you reach out to people that you follow. For example, say you write content for a particular industry, say you write for the infrastructure world and you think, oh, how do I build? Well, if you've got your uh, LinkedIn set up to show examples of what you've done, people you've worked with and you're commenting and sharing stuff, people are okay. You go and find, you go and Google the board, the CEO, the management of each of the firms and you connect with them on LinkedIn. Hi, my name's Amanda. I specialize in writing content for infrastructure firms, you know, from, from media to website content to blogs to this. If there's ever an opportunity to quote for work, I'd love to be given it. And you just keep churning that out. What do they do? The ones that are slightly interested will check out your LinkedIn. Your LinkedIn's got examples of your work and, and all your pretty much experience that you've done. I might be interested. Do you think Australians are, are worse at this than some other? Yes. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And can I say the really good people are even worse. So I've seen some really awesome sales out there, but they deliver crap, right? So just because someone's good at selling doesn't mean they're good at delivering. And often I find the people that are good at delivering are technicians. So they head down, bum up and they just get it done, but they're so crap at selling. Mm -hmm. And and they think, oh, am I really that good? No, I don't want to sound cocky. And I just, you know, well, guess what? No one's going to knock on your door and say, hey, I just randomly found you. Can you, can, you know, hire you? You've got to be, make yourself known. You've got to be hunting for work. And it happens in the corporate world. A lot of freelancers don't realize that's a given. In these networking functions, men in particular are saying to each other, hey, how's this going? Hey, I'd like to work for you. And that's how I've gotten a lot of my large contracts over the years. I've just straight up said, this is who I am. This is what I do. No one else does it the way I do it. I want to work for you and I get the job. You just keep doing that till someone says yes. It's a numbers game. I remember years ago talking to David Levithan, who is a, a young adult, very successful young adult writer from New York, and and he was talking about the nerd fighters, which is the John John and Hank Green thing. And he was saying, he said the mantra he lives by is, if you're going to do social media, don't do it half-assed. You've got to do it regularly. And I guess I guess that's similar to what I mean. This this isn't social media so much, but it's a similar principle, I suppose, isn't it? You, you can't just leave your thing to languish. Other that that probably does as much harm as good. That's right. You, you've got to keep going. You, you, you've got to see it as a living being. So see it as a pet, right? You don't feed your pet and then piss off for a week and then come back, right? You've got to feed your pet every single day, sometimes twice a day. You've got to nurture it, clean it. And it, it's a relationship, right? And the thing is, like all relationships, the more you put in that is quality, the more you get out. And it actually is that simple. A lot of people overthink social media, overthink LinkedIn. And it's not, it's about putting yourself out there. That's the most uncomfortable part. But once you get past that, you get used to it. And it's just being one of the many people out there specializing in something. And you just keep churning that same message in different ways over and over again. But you've got to be out there so people can see you because social media, one swipe, you're gone, right? They don't, oh, you're gone. Okay, you're out of their mind now. So you had that 30 second opportunity. How do you get back on there? You post again, you comment, you like something. It's this constant, but you've got to be strategic about it because you can fall into that social media black hole where you end up spending all this time on there on irrelevant things, ranting on irrelevant stuff without in the back of your mind, who am I trying to get attention from and who am I wanting as a client? Another, it's business. People need to realize this is business. So it's transactional. Who do you want as a client? Who are you trying to attract? Who do you want to like on your staff and reach out to you? And then 
when you reach out to someone, oh, yes, I've heard of you. That's really interesting because, you know, when, you, when you're saying who do you want as a client, that sort of made me take a second take here because being one of these people who I pride myself on my work as a writer, but, you know, often I'm completely, what's the word, I lack confidence as, as, as many of us do. And the idea that I would go, who do I want to be my client, as opposed to, I hope somebody will take me on and give me some work. <laughs> that's that's a seismic shift in your in your thinking, isn't it? Massive. And it's huge with small businesses. They are the worst at it. They sit there, they build a website, they have their social media, and they tell their friends and they sit there and they wait. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Because no one's going to come and be your knight in shining armor. <laughs> There's a need. And you can service that need and you're good at what you do. So therefore you need to go into um, delivering on that. So if someone says, I need this, I can help you with that. And when you're targeting people, this is what I do. I'm the best at this, or this is what I specialize in. Here's a link to my work. Would love an opportunity to quote. And when you target the industries and you target the people that you want, then you have the information to share with them. They look at your LinkedIn and realize, wow, that is actually what you specialize in. And the longer you've been doing it and the older you are, the better off you are because people want that maturity in their writing. People who listen to this podcast have heard me talk about this before, but I, I stopped following many of my writer friends on Facebook because the last thing I need every day when I get up at two in the afternoon and am having my first coffee at two in the afternoon is to log on to Facebook and see several dozen of my many writer friends telling us about their new contract in wherever and and their great new success and so forth. And while I'm happy for them, at the same time, I don't need to be reminded that I'm still in my pyjamas while they're out there getting international deals. Okay. Let's just look at social media in right. two, two aspects, yep. business okay. and personal, mm. right? They're two different worlds. That's, that's what, I, I, that's what yeah. I'm heading towards. Yeah. yeah, because I use all my social media for business. My personal life is on different apps and I contact people direct right? I use it all for business. So anything that comes out is there is a purpose for every single post, every single comment, every single like that I do. So it's transactional. So firstly, don't follow anyone that is not going to be a potential client, lead you to a potential client, or is not teaching you something to perfect your skills, right? So go through Instagram followers, go through your Facebook. This is more so for Instagram and Facebook unfollow people which is a great way of uh, instead of unfriending because they don't know you've unfriended them that you just stop reading their content which is fantastic because they get to still read your content right so you can unfollow and on instagram unfollow people that unless they're teaching you something or they're a potential client you're trying to engage with it's irrelevant because what you want is you want to open up your social media and learn or know what your prospects are up to. That's it because it's business. You don't want to get on there and start being drifting on to, oh my gosh, they're half my age and they've got the book deal and they're doing this. And mind you, social media is full of shit. So um, <laughs> I remember I met someone that I thought was a lot older than me and very successful and we're in a green room once and I was just having a chat and um, they were like, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. But I said, don't you have a team? I assume they had a team to help them with emails. And oh, no, no, it's all me. I was like, wow, isn't that amazing? The perception of social media and all of that. I would rather money, right, coming through the door than have a constant presence online. Your presence online needs to be strategic and purposeful because most of the work I do, 80% of what I do is not online. No one knows it. I'm hunting for work. I'm delivering on clients and then I'm hunting for more work. 
I literally spend uh, every day, there is something that I'm doing to try and get work, right? Every day. I'm constantly planting seeds. I'm constantly connecting with people. I'm constantly reaching out, asking for work. Me, always. I've always done that. It's the only way to get it because six months down the track, a year down the track, someone will say, I need you. Are you still available? Right? We're not doing that enough. A lot of freelancers and small businesses aren't doing that enough. But social media, you need to be getting into the feel of the Instagram reels and reaching out to an audience because people go, oh, wow, they're really, they must be good. You know, uh, they must be good because they're on social media and they're constantly active, but you are good. <laughs> so it's, we need to share that content. What makes you, you share it. What, what do you specialize in? Share it. There's, uh, I used to have a, um, a business called Businesswoman Media, right? So I founded that about seven years ago and I sold it um, this year. And that was because I created that because no one would publish what I wanted to say to women, right? To help them in, in the um, corporate business world. I like to say it as it is share all the strategies that no one would share, essentially what men do. Uh, and no one, would, no one would publish it. Oh, no, you might upset someone. You might, I said, oh, screw this. So I started it, right? I had no idea about the media industry at all. I thought, this can't be too hard. <laughs> so built a website, got someone to build a website on the weekend, uh, hired a really, really smart editor that is experienced. That's the key. But I kept churning and churning and sharing my content. And I thought, hang on a minute, I needed a platform. And the thing was, it wasn't, it didn't exist. So I went for it and just did it. So if something doesn't exist, if something isn't out there that does not exist for you right now, create it. If there's a niche or something that you think you can fill, fill it. It doesn't have to be so broad. And I was like, I need uh, for business women and it was um, advice. And I knew I wanted to sell it to, and it happened, but I just wanted to share brutally funny, witty, whatever it is, advice for women. And I did it, but I made sure, hang on a minute, there's a gap, I'm going to fill it. And I was told, which is key by a leading mentor I had at the time, I said, oh, I'm worried about my voice. And he said, you be you and your people will find you. And that's key for freelancers and anyone that's got a niche. You be you and then the right people will find you and the right people want to work with you. But if they do not know who you are, I cannot work out whether you're right for me. I cannot work out whether you're right for my company if you haven't expressed your values and your brand and your experience and your expertise online. I guess the challenge then is how explicitly you state those and how much you imply them, isn't it really? Say it as it is, straight out say it. Yeah. I specialise in this. Here's examples of my work. If you specialise in the arts industry and you write a lot for art, you can say, um, I wrote a piece um, based on the launch of this and this is my views on it. Or I wrote a piece about the history of this, whatever it is, and you share it. Or I worked with this museum. Um, this is what I produced for them last year uh, for example if a museum opens this is being strategic say a museum opens right how do you leverage off that opening for your business you say it is wonderful to see this museum opening up uh, you know it's a passion of mine you know for arts and opportunities for this this and this last year I wrote a piece for this other museum um, when they opened for this this and this so you're linking the two you're linking a, a relevant media or something that's happened that you're passionate about, linking it to something you've done before, you've tagged both of them, you shared your content, bam. Okay, so can I, can I throw a case study at you? Go. All right. Let's say somebody of approximately my age, height and weight were to, <laughs> um, were to write some copy for a primary school about uh, their vision for the future and so forth. They've approached me, I've written it, I've done a great job, they've told me it's a great job and all the rest. 
And now I say in my email, when I send my invoice through, I say, if anyone in your network is looking for a similar kind of thing, please keep me in mind. That's not enough. I feel like there should be more. What's my next step? Did they respond to that? They said, yes, I thought we, we thought we might tell some other people as well. That's fantastic, right? So I would follow up that relationship by sending them a gift and a handwritten card, right? So in a, in a couple of weeks or a month or whatever it is afterwards, because what it's doing is re, it's reminding them of you and your existence as well as showing um, that you're grateful for the opportunity, right? Now is when you go and find out all the other schools out there and find out who the principal is and connect with the principal on LinkedIn and send them a message and say, I recently did a, um, uh, you know, a plan or strategy for X, Y, and Z. Um, I would love to be able to, um, you know, this is what I'm specializing in. It's my passion, education. If there's an opportunity to work with you in the capacity of writing or strategy, please let me know. Right. And you can also say happy to give you, um, I would ask the original school, mm. can they be a reference? Can yep. someone be a reference and say happy to give you their name as a reference as well. But when you and and for me, I would think school, I would think education. So I'd be reaching out to high schools, universities, departments, uh, the education department, anything education. As soon as you've got experience in one industry, I would go and find all things connected to that industry. I'm talking registered training organizations anything education-based that you can connect to what you've done and your expertise and go out and tell people it's what you do. Interesting. Well, I hope they don't listen to this podcast because the minute they get that handwritten note, they're going to know where it's come from. <laughs> well, the, look, you know, it's it's just we forget because we're so busy. Yes, and it's it. treat others how you like to be treated. But the thing is we also limit our, our capacity to think of how else we can leverage that. Education's massive. It's a huge sector. Mm. And if you don't ask, you don't get. So imagine asking 100 people where you can go. Indeed. COVID, we've had around for a couple of years almost now. How has COVID affected uh, things like freelancing and and that sort of thing, what we've been just discussing. The fact that people are working from home more, has that put different areas under pressure in the context of something like LinkedIn and freelancing? I think it's helped freelancing, to be honest. The reason why I say that is a lot of businesses have outsourced a lot of activity. So you'll notice there's a mix of, I call the hybrid model where people have employees and they're contracting out. So the gig economy is really picking up and it's also where they want things to go. So they want people to go out and work for themselves and contract to do work on, you know, on different areas. So government departments, for example, bring you in for six months to do something and then leave. And they're great pieces of work too, and jobs to, to bring in some bread and butter. So I think that it's helped people get comfortable with dealing with freelancers, you know, like with um, uh, Zoom and things like that. But it's opened up the thought process of people saying, well, actually, I don't need to bring those people back into the office. I'll just contract that out. So there's a lot more available. There's going to be a lot more freelancers coming out of this, but there will be a lot more available for freelancers. And I think also the online world, everyone needs help with content. Don't think you have to be some SEO writer. Goodness, if I hear one more person try and sell an SEO package to someone um, with thousands and thousands of dollars, when really it's about good content. So it's a great opportunity, even social media. You don't have to be an expert in social media to know that good content for social media and snippets of good content, even a script for someone to do a video on, which they struggle with, will is a great opportunity. So I think the whole online world Everyone's gone, oh, no, my business isn't online. I need to go online more. 
who do I contract? Who do I ask for help? Who do I say, you know, please help me with some content for my website or I need an article for an online media outlet. There's a lot of that out there, but there's no connection between the two. So we need, we need freelancers to go out and say, hey, I can do this for you. And I suppose the international barriers have crumbled. Somewhat. Oh, they're gone. Yeah, and it's it was huge because I've picked up clients internationally, uh, media internationally. I've become so lazy thanks to COVID that I do all my media on Zoom. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'll just keep doing it from my home. <laughs> That's right, rather than going go into the, the TARDIS and well, I'm saving I'm saving like two and a half hours. Hmm. And to me, time is money. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, well, what else can I do with that time? And that's the thing. And that's why people contract and that's why people outsource to freelancers because it's value for money for them and it's business for you. So here's a question for you, just a <laughs> question without notice. Um, if you, were, you could go back 20 years and buy Google shares or go back five years and buy Zoom shares, what would you buy? <laughs> oh, actually, if I could go back in time, I'd be buying property like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but that wasn't my question. But anyway. no. <laughs> Probably Zoom, to be honest. Um, I have to admit, Zoom's done really well. But I'd like to see, and I think this is, even there's a lot of negativity with what's happened, there's a lot of positivity as well. So it's opened up channels to make a living for a lot of people that never thought that they could. And there are a lot of businesses like Zoom and things like that have taken off, which is absolutely wonderful because it's just a business, they built something and then it was a need for it. And so, you know, and that's what business is about. And the people who made the Brady Bunch could never have envisaged that their opening sequence would end up being everybody's workday. Exactly. <laughs> In terms of freelancing and identifying a promising story, um, what sort of challenges do you see, in, particularly in terms of Western Sydney? Are you looking at cultural challenges there or the shifting social ground, you know, all the hashtags? And how do you think you can identify what that holy grail is, that next big zeitgeist. Is there a, obviously if you knew what that was, you wouldn't share it, you just do it, right? Oh, well, I'll tell you the secret of how I find out mm. is I ask people. I think what's missing, and it, it thanks to the online world, it's in a way it's kind of, if we don't use it properly, we lose the ability to do this. And I think there's been too much in the media world in particular where they just take one little bit and just, absolutely you know churn out this information based on one bit of content instead of speaking to the people and it's been missing and I think there's a huge opportunity you ask the people in a community you ask the people in your area your um, specialty or just your local area whatever it is they'll tell you what the issues are they'll tell you what the gaps are and as soon as you touch on that they'll latch onto it they'll share it and it becomes the next big thing so because they've got some ownership in it as well yes yes and they're being heard so when people feel like they're being heard that's why i do surveys that's why i do polls that's why i'm always advocating in the media even though it might not be what people like to hear it's literally what people have told me i'm not making this up right and that's what's missing so if you can find the for example there's a store i know like for example um uh, women's justice network right is a not-for-profit that helps women that come out of um, the prison system and they need mentors and they need assistance. Now, do you ever hear of any of these stories in the media? No. Yet Western Sydney is the highest rate of women that are incarcerated, right? So, but this isn't something that's discussed, but it's a huge impact on the community, huge impact on families. They need a lot of support, but they get neglected. Now, all you need to do is for someone to say, right, I want to do a story on this. 
right? I want to really find out the story and the journey from what happened at the beginning. How did they get into this? What happened on the way out? And people go, wow, this could happen to me, like homelessness. Remember when that first happened and everyone was talking about how a guy was successful and married with kids and a few gambling debts later and alcohol, uh, alcoholism, boom, he's on the streets. This, that's how people related to it. That could be me. That could happen to me. And that took off. And then there was a lot of funding for homelessness after that. There's a lot of funding for that, right? Same as if you want to really get to the core of something, or if you want to get a story out there or someone interested, talk about what no one's talking about. And how do you find that out? He's going to speak to the people themselves. Look at the areas in the community that no, no media outlet or anyone wants to cover and cover it. And really get the data, get the support, and then you'll start to build like a grassroots movement. And all you need is one little outlet to pick it up or someone to say, wow. And because of social media, you don't even need mainstream media. We've got independent media outlets. You've got social media in general. You've got a good LinkedIn following. You can post it on there. And people are like, wow, I didn't know this. And, and I guess the the ideal, the, the what you're really trying to achieve is be, to become someone like Louis Theroux, perhaps, who... He doesn't just have an opinion on a thing. He his his great skill is being able to tackle almost any topic and and make it personable and a, and relatable and interesting. So That's he's right. not an expert on racism. He's an expert on getting people to talk about racism or whatever else the other thing might be. That's right, and giving people a voice and a platform and helping them communicate help them give them that voice you know people are awkward with telling their story but it's it's a freelancer's job to say right i'm going to pull that from you and help you communicate that that's missing that is absolutely missing because of this fast paced world and competitive media landscape it's just churn and burn snippets of things where media outlets are having to say sorry wouldn't have said, shouldn't have said that sorry that was a mistake sorry we didn't tell the full story and people are sick of it why do you think they're turning to independent why do you think independent media is getting more views or people's social media is getting more views than mainstream media? Because they want real stories that of, of what's happening in their own backyard. My wife she spends quite some time on TikTok and she's got some, some sort of rabbit hole she goes down that are interesting to her. But she said to me, you know, as a writer, there's a TikTok opportunity there for you. I started looking in there and I all I got was a whole bunch of people doing pranks on their parents. And I'm going, this is crap. And she said, you know, you got to give it time. you got to refine your search. You know, have you got any advice on, on that for me? Funny. So I tried TikTok and I went viral uh, when I did. Uh, but okay. then I realized I was spending way too much time on it. And I asked myself, do I need this for my business? And the answer was no. So I got rid of it, right? But other clients have used it. So TikTok, you need to see it as a tool. Mm -hmm. right so you can learn from that and there are some people you can follow and learn from but you need to see it more of a tool to communicate who you are so what is your personality how can you communicate what you do and what you're teaching and what you're about in little short it's really just a video platform to teach people and to show them who you are what you do what you're about so they follow you for more that's all it is just like instagram but it's just pure video i mean they're they're very clever the tiktok people the fact that they've embraced the whole portrait rather than landscape thing and they've and they've um, made it so that they think the next video is preloading in the background so there's literally no delay between videos it's it That's right. does get you on that that sort of surfy wave that we used to get on we used to talk about surfing the web back in the day because it felt a bit like that although it was at dial-up speed so it wasn't so much surfing as crawling that's right but also they have an algorithm where they want you to go viral to get you hooked 
it's actually run like a gambling, like a pokies machine. Oh. So what you do, they get you to win at the beginning. Then you become perpetually hooked for that next win. You need to get that next viral video. And it's this constant addiction. And that's not what social media, even though that's what it, it happens to people, it needs to be used as a tool for business. So if you're going to spend two hours on something, you've got to say to yourself, how am I going to get two hours worth of value out of this? Uh, yeah, I noticed on your website, that you've got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter across the top. So they all seem like things that you can very easily leverage into. And they're all very different. They are, right. Very different. So different, I've got different networks on different groups and I'm reaching different people. Some people purely see me on Twitter. Some people purely see me on Instagram. But I find Instagram at the moment, Instagram and LinkedIn are the two most powerful tools. Instagram, because they're really working on it and there's a lot of reels and reels are huge uh, and they can reach brand new markets if you use the right hashtags and you can teach and you can get a new following uh, and, in, and LinkedIn is for that contracts that authority on the topic to people say wow you really do know what you're doing that's fantastic what's your twitter and your instagram um the amanda rose the amanda rose okay, <laughs> gotcha. all right well thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us today i think that uh, people who listen to this are going to find this very useful um, and uh, amandarose.com.au is where they can find you. And um, thanks so much. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Thank you.